There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Happy Friday, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Southern California's only all-Raiders talk show. That, of course, is this show, Silver and Black, tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. How you doing? How was your week? How's the summer going so far? It's hot in Vegas couple hundred and nines, almost getting up to those middle, or I call it middle triple digits, 109, 105. That's early in Vegas uh, for that temperature that high, but it's hot out there. It's also hot down in Southern California, but it's hotter in Vegas because out in Henderson, the Raiders mini camp this week, and they are uh, seemingly coming together nicely as a team, as a culture. Too much... Uh, put into stock on who's starting, who's doing what now early, because listen, they're just out there mini camp. It was mandatory. Everyone showed up. All the players are in town. We have sound tonight from Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, and one Mr. Darren Waller. Does he talk about his contract? You'll see. Just a quick reminder, though, while you're with us here at the top of the show, make sure you follow the show on Twitter, SNB Today on Twitter. You can also follow me at LV Gully. We are simulcasting this show. Not only does it go booming up and down the West Coast, Central Valley, California, all the way up to Northern California, out to Vegas, and in between, but it's also simulcast on YouTube. If you're with us on YouTube, hey, guys, I appreciate it. The chat's going crazy as usual. We certainly appreciate that and appreciate you guys. Now, every once in a while, some of you guys jump in there and... um, well, you just you just don't cut you don't make the cut, so we got to get rid of you because you're uh, trying to fan the flames of discontent. Uh, but uh, other than that, we get in there, we disagree on stuff, we have fun. So if you're online, make sure you check out the YouTube channel where you can participate in the conversation there. Also, make sure that you follow the website. You go to silverandblacktonight.com. The uh, show's archived there. Also, you can check out. The podcast feed. So all of the shows, if you miss it on Friday night, understandable, you're out, you're doing whatever you got to do, enjoying that Friday, five o'clock somewhere, and now it's six o'clock, and you're, you might be a couple drinks in. Um, but if you do that, go go anywhere you get your podcast. You can subscribe to the show. It'll be delivered right to your phone or your computer, wherever you decide to listen to us. So check that out as well. We certainly appreciate it, and we appreciate you being back. Uh, I'm Scott Branson, the host of the show, and we got a full lineup for you tonight as we have so much to talk about from Minicamp. Minicamp now uh, has been um, put to bed, but a lot to go off of there as well. So we want to make sure we give you a recap of the week and how that new culture is going. I mean, that, to me, you know, we we talked about it over the last few weeks with guests like Cynthia Freeland, with Hondo Carpenter, with others, about that culture and how it's changing with the new staff in Las Vegas. And I, I just think it's refreshing. I, I'm telling you each day, and I'm not just pandering to the audience. You guys know, I tell it like it is. I didn't grow up a Raiders fan. I'm here objectively. Okay, some of you don't like that. I get comments on the channels all the time. Oh, you grew up a Charger fan or oh, uh, you're not a fan. No, I'm not a fan. I cover the team objectively and I know my listeners and viewers appreciate that. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm getting more and more excited. I know it's only June. And we got a month and a half almost until camp starts at the end of July. But I'm telling you, there's just something with this team. They're sleeping on this team. You heard Rich Eisen this week talk about how people are sleeping on the Raiders in the division uh, because of the Chiefs, the Chargers. Chargers got a stocked lineup. That's fine. But you got to play the games on the field. And I think the Raiders are being underrated. But I've said over the last six weeks, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Surprise people. Just go out and do it. Take care of business. And yes, it's not the Patriots West, as Josh McDaniel said, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, the guys with the rings, they've come in and they've taken a different approach and it is all about business. And you hear that in some of the comments coming up from Derek Carr, Darren Waller, and Josh McDaniels himself. And so we want to get into that as well. So they talked to the media late this week uh, and midweek as well about um, about the, the, the mini camp and how things were going. So what I want to start off with, I'm going to play some sound here. This is... Uh, Josh McDaniels talking about progress. He was asked about, okay, so what did you see this week? Uh, and of course, it is early, but what did you see this week? What were you impressed with and what can you learn from it? So here is Josh McDaniels with that one. You know, we, we, we try not to measure uh, things in the off season, you know, because it's really just every day is an opportunity to build on something. Um, there's definitely things that we, we know the terminology, we know the verbiage, uh, we know what our assignments are supposed to be. Um, but I think you know right now what we're what we're really working towards is consistency um, and performance. You know, and uh, it's not the physical part of it yet, uh, but you know, trying to go out there and you know if that's your assignment, can you do it right? You know, once and then twice and then 15 times and then for an entire practice. Um, that's really where we're at. So. Um, you know, had some some good plays and some not so good plays, and that's normal for this time of the year. But uh, still in a big learning phase for us. Um, every opportunity we have to go out there on the field, we we have a chance to get better. And uh, you know, working hard. I think that they understand the way we want to work. They understand what we're trying to get done. And uh, you know, every day just you know get a little better. There you go, Josh McDaniels talking about the progress, talking about what he saw this week. And you know what? <laughs> That's all you can say. It's mini camp. I mean, this isn't camp. This isn't guys competing for spots. Certainly, they can help themselves in a mini camp, right? I mean, if you go out there, and we heard some names like Lester Cotton. By the way, Lester Cotton for the last four preseasons <laughs> has been a guy that I talked about a couple years ago. I remember being out at training camp in 2020 in Henderson, the first one the Raiders were there, and talking to Honda Carpenter about that. And, and, and we were impressed with Lester Cotton then. So Lester Cotton always looks good. Let's see if he keeps it up. That would be huge. Somebody like him coming through. And then, of course, Alex Leatherwood, who we heard uh, from this week as well. But but clearly, McDaniel's here talking about it and saying, listen, we've seen some good things. We're seeing some not so good things. I mean, these guys are learning a new system. They're learning a new coaching staff. They're learning new teammates, by the way. There's a lot of new teammates in there. A lot of guys are new to the system. A lot of guys are new to the team. And so there's that adjustment period where you got to get used to it, Right. So Josh McDaniels is not going to come out with some magic gems, but uh, certainly called to mind some of the things there that he saw out at minicamp in Henderson this past week. Uh, they asked Carr the same question, in, in essence, about the new system 
that he's working in. Uh, and that's an interesting answer because, again, Derek Carr has been through so many different playbooks and so many different systems. But it's a little bit different, right? Because now he's he's in a different situation. His contract, which we'll hear from him in a moment as well, his contract is done. He doesn't have to worry. No chatter this off. None of this crap about Carr is going to be gone. They're going to trade Carr. They're going to look into somebody bring It's over. They're not going to happen. So those of you who don't like Derek Carr, I respect your opinion, but it's over. Unless he goes out there and craps the bed, which I don't anticipate, he's the starting quarterback and he's got his contract. He's good. So we don't need any of that drama this year. But listen, let's listen to Carr talk about the system under Josh McDaniels. And uh, their system is, um, you know, our system is different than anything I've been in before. And you, but you see, once you're in it, you're like, wow, I see why it was so successful, you know. Just like anything else, once you get in, you know, in Gru's offense, I was like, wow, I see you know, why he was successful with this, you know. And, and obviously Josh has a great track record of, of success and, um, you know, scoring points and all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, you know, it's exciting. Uh, I'm excited. And uh, their system is uh, – Oh, sorry about that. So, so there you have Carr, oh, technical uh, ghost in the machine there uh, here at the mightier 1090 uh but but no Carr talked about the system right he taught and he's 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 a diplomatic fellow so he talked oh when i was in gruden system yeah but it's different now you have josh mcdaniels with a preeminent play caller in the nfl according to most now he's got to go out and prove that with the raiders but you can hear Carr talk about that system and talk about how he sees how it's successful so this this part of the training program is so huge because this is where guys mentally it's less about the physical sure they're doing physical and they're going through the motions and they're doing that stuff but the mental piece especially for your quarterback the nfl is driven by the quarterback you have to have quarterback play at the various high level if you're going to win a championship so Carr going out there understanding the system and talking about the system like that uh is huge and so it was good to hear that from him as well what about his contract i mentioned no drama it's a drama free so far, I'm crossing my fingers for those of you that aren't watching and listening instead on the radio. Uh, it's drama-free preseason so far for the Raiders. And that includes the Derek Carr. There's no calls about Carr being traded or Carr is going to be cut or, or Carr doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't know if they're going to start Carr. None of that stuff. And that, to me, is a big mental thing. You know, whether or not a guy says he hears it or not, he does. And Carr has. He went out and played great last year. And so here he is again talking about that and uh, the fact that he is freer this year. I think it, it's been freeing, um, you know, more so because I just don't have to answer it. You know, that's the – I mean, I, I know what they're telling me in here, but then we don't tell everybody else and we got to talk about it in here, you know. And um, it's just nice for that stuff to be out of the way. And so we can just play football. You know, I'm sure someone will want to ask something or come up with something that – won't even matter, you know, in 12 months and it'll be fine. But for the time being in the building and, you know, just answering football questions has been nice. And, and really with everything we went through last year, I mean, tragedy and, you know, you know, the, you know, coach leaving and things like that. And it's just, it was just so much, it's nice just to be coming to work and it's just all about football, you know, um, you know, I feel bad for still those families that have to deal with tragedy and loss and, um, you know, careers changing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're still all human beings. Like, that's it's hard to deal with. Uh, but when it comes to coming to work and just playing football, talking about football, 
it's actually been a lot of fun for me. You know, uh, you know, I'm still a leader in those things, but I don't have to put my leadership hat on and, you know, have to be, you know, you know put the right message out there, you know, all the time when it's hard and all those kind of things. So uh, it's been it's been fun just to go to work and just grind, you know, go out, make a mistake, learn from it, go out the next day, make it better. It's just been football. And so it's been, it's been fun. I'm not going to lie. Well, there you go. And I want – sometimes you got to read between the lines here, okay? Because, again, Derek Carr is a nice dude. He's never going to come out and call people out per se. But he talked about there, if you noticed earlier on the clip, he said, yeah, we used to talk about it in here, but then I'd have to go out and answer the questions. To me, that is what the difference is between what McDaniels and Ziegler have done. Now, they're committed to him. They gave him the contract. And yes, I know for those those of you out there who would like to see Derek Carr gone, yes, they have outs and all that jazz. But under Gruden and Mayock, there was always a lukewarm vote of confidence. It was always like, Derek's doing a great job. He's our quarterback. He's our franchise quarterback. But I think you see Carr referencing there this idea that in the building they were telling him one thing, hey, you're our guy, you're our guy. And then when they got in front of the press, it was, yeah, he's our quarterback. But it wasn't, it didn't go to the level that you see McDaniels and Ziegler do now, which is like, Boom, he's our guy, and he gave him the, they gave him the contract, right? So that's, that's the ultimate vote of confidence is a contract because that says we are investing in you longer term, especially when you're coming up in the last year of your contract. So to me, that is huge for Derek Carr, and that's why I think he's going to have a really, really, really big season. And to me, it also brings a level of stability to the locker room because now, guys, there's, there can be no question who is going to be the quarterback and who is the leader of the team? It's Derek Carr. Just is. So those guys in the locker room, whether they be new guys on the roster, whether they be returning players, there's no gray area anymore. And that's huge when you're preparing for a football season where you want to try to win a championship. So uh, it was good to hear Derek Carr talk about that as well. Now, they also asked Derek Carr about Darren Waller. Darren Waller's contract. So now there's no car drama. <laughs> There's Waller drama, which is created by us in the media because Waller has two years left on his contract. Yes, maybe an agent's talking to somebody in the press pool, but there's no hurry to get it done, as I mentioned last week. And by the way, those of you who watched the show last week and were critical saying, I can't believe you say we don't need Waller. That never said it. We said, Cynthia Freeland and I both said, you can wait till next year. And actually, he gets a better contract next year because of the TV money. But uh, when it came to Carr speaking about Waller and his contract, here's here's what he said. And and this is key because this shows a level of coordination on the inside amongst the team, amongst the players on the roster, including Carr. So listen to this. The way that we – I've talked about this, but the way that Max, myself, and Devontae did things was – you know, hopefully to make sure it was okay for everyone else to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And so, um, you know, when your leaders and, and the guys that are supposed to be leaders in the locker room are showing like, hey, guys, we're, we're making sacrifices to hopefully, you know, you know, make it good for everyone else. Now, now the agents, that's, and that's their deal. And, you know, Dave, that's between all them and Tom and all those guys. But, you know, we've tried to put out there like we're trying to make an effort to, you know, keep everybody, you know, um, you know, when, when last time when I signed my contract, I didn't think, I didn't know, I didn't think about those things. And then I just assumed it would be all right. And then Khalil's gone as my, my, one of my best friends. I was like, dang, I never want to see that again. And so, 
I made sure this time that won't ever be a problem. They can talk about anything else, but that's not going to be something they talk about where it's not possible to do something. And so hopefully, hopefully those things get done, um, you know, but, you know, I, I leave that to Darren, his people, and Hunter and his people and our guys. You know, they're, I'm sure they're all talking. They're all working on how do they make it happen, you know, because so far all the momentum has been so positive and it's been so great to be in the building with, a, with this new staff and with our team. So hopefully all that stuff takes care of itself. Well, there you have it. So exactly, and, and that's remarkable because in today's NFL, because of the salary cap, you give too much money to one person and you can kind of uh, get everything out of whack, right? So you saw it with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes' contract, all Travis Kelsey's contract. Then Tyreek Hill comes up. What do you do? Guess what? He's gone. He's in Miami. So the fact that Carr, Renfro, those guys are thinking about keeping the gang, keeping the band together because they all want to play together and they all want to win together. So that is a huge deal. And, and to hear Carr talk about that now – they asked Darren Waller, who also spoke to the media for the first time, and he's not exactly somebody who talks a lot <laughs> when he does talk to the media. Um, but here's Waller himself on his contract. Remember, two years left. They have time. They don't have to take care of him this year. Waller, I think, comes after Renfro just because of the timing, not because of his value. Renfro can come first. But here's Waller on his contract and what he had to say about playing with the Raiders. Uh, yeah, I just focus on enjoying while I'm here, whether I'm here 10 years or who knows how long, you know, just being present here. And, you know, my agent's job is to do that stuff. And I just focus on the football part because if you don't focus on football and your mind's elsewhere, you, know, you got to be locked in. It's professional. So uh, I try to be a professional every day. Yeah, that's where I tell people, look, there's no chance Waller's going to hold out. I'll eat my hat if Waller holds out. He's not going to hold out. They're talking. Dave Ziegler's smart enough to know that they have to have a message for Darren Waller and his agent, okay? And they are doing that. So that's where I think it's all good. It, everything is moving in the positive direction. Just because it doesn't happen now does not mean it's not going to happen. And they will take care of Darren Waller, uh, mark my words. Waller now on the new offense. I think that was one of the things, too, that uh, people were excited to hear because of the way the Patriots and Josh McDaniel and his offense have used the tight end, i.e. Gronkowski, in the past. Uh, and they asked Waller about that, how he felt about this new offense under under Josh McDaniel. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it's asking me to do a lot of things. Um, you know, we watched a lot of tape of, you know, Rob Gronkowski running wild uh, from just old New England clips and stuff like that. Uh, so it's exciting to see different ways that I'll be used. Um and yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's a challenge. It's a challenging system, but I love a, a good challenge. I think it's bringing the best out of us. And there you go. See, so he's he, he saw the Super Bowl runs. He saw what Rob Gronkowski did in New England, and his mouth is watering. He does not want to go. To, I mean, he needs to get paid. I get it. I get it. Everybody needs to get as someone I'm going to talk about in the next segment segment calls it the paper for his family. But I really think that they're in a good spot here and they're going to take care of Darren Waller. One last clip from Waller was with Adams, with Devontae Adams there now. How much does that mean to him in uh, the fact that he's going to have, he's going to be able to run wild and you can't cover both those guys. You can't double team both of them. Here's what he said about Devontae Adams, his presence on that offense. Uh, yeah, I guess it, it makes defenses make decisions probably. Um, 
I mean, if they keep if they keep double me, then that's fine. Like, I mean, have, have single cover Devonta Adams if you want to, you know, or Hunter Renfro. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it helps us out. We can all complement off of each other, and I feel like you know somebody like Josh Jacobs and and Kenyon and Amir guys like that will benefit too because if they want to play a lot of zone, then it opens up things in the run game. So I feel like it allows the entire offense to be to complement off each other when somebody demands attention. Yes. That's why this Raiders offense is going to be scary. All right, we're up against our first break. There you have it. The reports, the the sound, everything you need from minicamp in Henderson out in the Las Vegas Valley this week. When we come back, one of your favorite subjects, Raider Nation, we're going to talk about it. Jamarcus Russell speaks. Yes, he spoke about his experience with the Raiders, and it was not kind. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thud it on me, I'm a cuddle fool. Now back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, welcome back. Segment number two. Are you ready, Raider Nation? It is Friday night. It is Scott Branson. This is Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Woo! What a week. What a first segment. You should be excited and just ecstatic on where this Raider team is heading. I'm bullish. I'm not a cheerleader. You guys know I'm not a fanboy, but I'm just telling you what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing coming out of that building in Henderson. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. We'll see if they can keep it together and through camp, keep everybody healthy and then get to that regular season and a tough, tough schedule, man, that schedule. Every time I look at it, it seems like it gets more difficult, <laughs> but anyway, uh, by the way, uh, I know I mentioned it last week, and I just want to thank a lot of the listeners here who uh, listen to or watch the show because we are simulcast on YouTube. By the way, if you're on YouTube, hit subscribe. Make sure you also hit the notifications bell. But uh, I talked last week about my new show. It's a podcast, a non-commercial podcast called Rock Mysteries. We launched season one this week. Within three days, we were top 100 on Apple Podcasts in the music interview category. We're number five in New Zealand Shout out to New Zealand uh, and all over the world. It just, it, it's crazy. Three episodes are out now. We talk about Bon Scott, the murder of Kurt Cobain. Yes, murder, as well as the killing of Tupac Shakur. So make sure you go check it out. Rockmysteries.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there and you can find Rock Mysteries on your favorite podcast channel. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify are the two most popular you can find it there. But thank you for your support on that. Really proud of that and just blown away that within three days we were top 100 in America in the Apple podcast music interview category. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, back into Raiders football. Now, I have to tell this backstory first before we get started with this because I always, from the beginning, the genesis of this show, when we first went on the air as a podcast, then later a radio show, 
we went on the air three years, well, actually two years before the Raiders, three years counting the podcast, two years on radio before the Raiders moved to Las Vegas, okay? And I really felt that the market in Vegas, where I was at the time, the market in Vegas needed history. Vegas is, is made up of people from, it's a big melting pot of people from all over the country. Lots of them Southern California, lots of them Northern California, so a big Raider Nation contingent there. But people from everywhere. So my goal was to do some education, right? Because I had started covering the team in, in 2017 uh, and had grown up in San Diego as a Charger fan, put my fandom aside in 2015. So two years before I started covering the Raiders, I was done with the Chargers. Uh, I'll get into that full story sometime on the show. It's pretty funny. Um, but when I started covering the team, I felt like Las Vegas, the, the, the listeners there, when I was on CBS Sports Radio there, they needed history. They needed to understand the scope, the depth, and the history of the franchise. Okay, all of it. The glory years, the years after, the years after Al Davis passed, all that stuff. So I, I made it my goal to bring on guests. That's why this show has always been different. Now, we do a lot of stuff you hear on other shows as well. Uh, Raider shows, that is, the ones that are on the air now in Las Vegas, including us. We're on Sunday mornings in Las Vegas, too. But they tend to be kind of, you know, the same guests over and over again, at least some of them. Um, what I do is I try to always bring in national perspective, not people are just going to come in and tell you, oh, Raider Nation, let me stroke your ego. You're awesome. They're awesome. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody's great. Everybody's perfect. No, I don't do that. I just bring in people that, that I think are going to be interesting and are going to educate you. And, and so as I've been thinking, the last two and a half years, I've tried to get one guest that I could not get, okay? There's a lot that I've tried to get. I, I, you know, I've tried to get some of the old school Raiders who just not, are not very visible anymore. They don't, they don't even really go to alumni events, um, some of these guys from the golden era. But I've had Phil Villapiano. We've had Cliff Branch on the show, God rest his soul. We've had all sorts of, of great Raiders on the show. Um, but the one guy I wanted to get, because I believe in redemption, I believe in great stories of people who might've been jerks, who might've been, uh, wasted opportunities, whatever it may be. So I, for two and a half years have really tried to figure out how to get a hold of Jamarcus Russell, because I know the polarizing nature of that name in Raider nation. I never hear anything positive. There's always once a Raider, always a Raider, but Every time I talk to a Raider fan, they say, except for Randy Moss and Jamarcus Russell. Now, I'll leave that for another discussion. But I will tell you that I've tried, and I've just never been successful. I don't mind admitting when I fail. I just could not get him. I tried, I knew he was in Mobile. I knew he was coaching at high school. Tried all various ways. Talked to a couple of newspaper reporters down there. Could not get anything. So this week, Jamarcus Russell appears and is talking right? He's talking uh, on the Players' Tribune, the website where athletes actually use their own voices. Basically, it's ghostwritten. They do audio interviews, and then they write for these guys. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the story uh, on the Players' Tribune, uh, the signature piece uh, entitled, Y'all Don't Know a Damn Thing About Jamarcus Russell. Okay, so this is, this is Jamarcus Russell for the quote-unquote first time telling his story. So as you can imagine, I was ecstatic to read this thinking, okay, this is going to be great. You're going to read about this humble guy. And yes, everybody bags on him because of all the stuff 
the videotape, playbook story, all of the mythis, mythic proportioned stories we heard about Jamarcus Russell and his time with the Raiders. So I'm reading through it and, and you know, he starts really talking about his, his background uh, and, and growing up poor, obviously urban area, growing up in, in Alabama with a poor family, not in the best neighborhoods and how he started to drink codeine cough syrup as a kid on accident. And of course that led to trouble in the NFL, which you guys know full well. And so, so you go through the story and certainly I, I can, I can sympathize with that and understand it from the perspective of, okay, great. You're giving me your background, tough background, goes through his high school, goes through his relationships with his mother, his two uncles, his father, and how his father was a basketball legend, all that stuff. And that was really great. And then he gets to points where they talk about his Raider career. And this is where he kind of lost me. And again, he says in the story over and over again, look, if you don't like it, I don't give a damn. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And I respect that. He's, he's staying true to himself, right? I mean, you can't, I mean, you got to do that in life. Whether I like it, whether you like it, whether, whether that leads him to success or not, that's his business. But he goes into it. And I think the thing that, that disappointed me about it now, again, it's his life. So he wants to live it and tell it like he wants to tell it. That's a, that's totally on him. And I respect it. He finally speaks up. But where he lost me was all this blame and all of this. Nobody cared about me. And he was shocked that the NFL was a business. And I, I'm paraphrasing there because he talks more about how they're willing to give you pills. And he goes through some college experience. You really got to read the piece. It's a, it's a long piece. But he talks about that and he gets to the point where he talks about the Raiders. And I think that some of these things are pretty remarkable because you hear some of these from other people like Colin Kaepernick, right? And I'm showing a screenshot where he says, to them, I was just an N-word. So Jamarcus Russell learns and speaks his truth about how he felt like a piece of meat and that nobody cared. So, and, and, and it, listen, from a human angle, it's a story. You know, he lost his uncles. He was really crushed that year. He got into the NFL with the Raiders 2009. He was crushed and he didn't have time to grieve because he had to go to work. He had to work for the Raiders. He talked about crying on the field and how nobody gave a damn. The coaches didn't care. The coaches didn't want him, which is true. Al Davis did. Um, and so he tells that story and I understand it. But, but for me, I sympathize, but yet I don't because I look at it and I say, Jamarcus Russell, you got 60 million bucks. It's a business. And I understand, you know, grieving. I lost my father last year. It hasn't even been a year yet. I understand. Okay. But, but the football team and your employer are not your psychologist. They're not there. Yes, you want them to show compassion. And I don't know if anybody on the Raiders showed compassion. I'm assuming they did. But he's remembering this way because he didn't have a good end to his career. So that piece of it just loses me. So Jamarcus Russell, who, amazing talent, no question, got in the league, didn't keep in shape. And he mentions it. He says, look, I was getting tattoos. I was drinking a lot. I was smoking. I was doing all kinds of stuff. So he admits his mistakes, and I and I and I appreciate that from him. I, I that's that's you know that's standing up and taking responsibility. 
But then he follows that up with excuses after excuses. And, and I think that's where he lost me because again, yes, it can be a cold world out there. We all learn that at some point. And does the NFL really care that much about, no, it's an entertainment. Just like if a, if a rock star doesn't have hits anymore, what's going to happen? Bam. Label's gone. You're hip hop star. Nothing's selling anymore. Nobody cares. Bam. You're gone. It's a transactional culture. When it comes to entertainment, football is no different. And so the fact that Jamarcus Russell needed the validation from a personal standpoint, that's on him because you're not going to get that. He criticizes NFL. Oh, it's a brotherhood. It's not a brotherhood. Nobody gives a damn. Now, a lot of times people won't give a damn if you don't show respect and if you don't show the proclivity to be a professional. So when you're a professional, if I'm in an environment, and what I do, if I'm in an environment and I see somebody who's not very professional but is in the same business I'm in, you give them a chance, but if they continue to screw up that chance, then you lose respect for them. So I don't know Jamarcus Russell. He doesn't seem, he doesn't seem to connect his own actions and his own responsibility with how he was treated. Life is a two-way street. You don't walk in a door and instantly get loved and respected. Doesn't happen. Listen to the song Respect Yourself by the Staples Singers. The world doesn't owe you something because you're here. Okay? And I think that's where I lost to Marcus Russell. I was interested in the story. I was interested in redemption. I was interested to see if this guy was doing well. And he seems to be doing well on one side. And he's at home. He takes care of people. He's active in his community, high school football, all that stuff. That's great. And I credit him for that. Phenomenal. But at the same time, he just indicts all of professional sports because he was a screw-up. And he admits he's a screw-up. And I understand the background. Hey, he had mental health, dealing with mental health issues now. We're in a much different place than even we were when he played. The stigma is slowly going away so people can get it. If he needed help, then he should have got help with the grieving and all that stuff. It's tough. And my heart goes out to him for losing you know, two members of his family at the start of his career. It was just overwhelming for a young guy. So I get it. And uh, I can appreciate that. But the one thing that stuck out at me too was this. And I'm going to put this up on the screen. I'll read it to the folks on the radio. But he's talking about how... The Raiders, the NFL, he doesn't say the Raiders specifically, but obviously intimates that it is, that they went out um, and they tried to pile on, that they purposefully leaked and, 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 and it started a campaign to hurt him, right? To, to leak out the stuff about, and he doesn't say it in the story, but I'm assuming things like the playbook story where they gave him a playbook, a blank videotape and said, hey, watch these plays. And then they asked him and he said, yeah, he watched them when they knew there was nothing on the tape. So that's the kind of stuff he's talking about. He talks about being at an NBA game and how Stephen A. Smith was making fun of him because he was fat and other people were doing this and his grandmother was watching TV. How could they do that when his grandmother's watching TV? His grandma hearing that, he says. Well, guess what? You're a pro. It goes with the territory, my friend. And he says, when you're down, like everybody wants to pile on. Honestly, it just got to the point where I felt alone in the world. Like every time I went out on the field, 
I was my, by myself, me versus everybody, the whole stadium, the whole world, even me telling my story now, I almost didn't do it because I kept asking myself, why the hell would anybody want to hear from me? Now, again, him against the world, but why? You have to ask, why, why is it? Is it just because you're, you're, you're who you are and so people are just going to get you because they don't like you? No, it's because you didn't show professionalism. And I get it. You were immature and you had a loss and you had all that stuff going on in your life. Again, I sympathize. But you can't go out there thinking people have to respect you and treat you like some hero because you're there. It just didn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. He goes on to say, and this is the one I outlined on the screen if you're watching on YouTube and on the radio, I'll read it. This is from Jamarcus Russell. You know what's so crazy? When the Raiders released me, Al Davis didn't even look me in the eye one time. He talked straight at my agent. At that point, it was almost like a relief. I was just lost. I never really grieved the deaths in my family, and I needed some time away from football. That's Jamarcus Russell in the Players' Tribune. Okay, so here's my question. I'm not calling him a liar. I wasn't there. I I, I don't know. Al Davis not looking him in the eye. To me, he, he makes it sound like that's cowardly. And I don't, I don't buy that. Here's what I think. I think that Al Davis went on a limb, took this guy against the wishes of all his scouts and coaches because he believed in him. As Al, We all know what Al was like. He saw a guy, he went out and got him. He took a punter in the first round, remember. So, to me, that is Al Davis just done with Jamarcus Russell. He doesn't want to look at him because he's disgusted. And at that point, after the problems with narcotics, codeine and the cough syrup, the problems with his play, the problems with his weight, the problems with him committing to being a good football player that's in shape for making the money he makes, he was done. I would have been done. Like, I don't want to look at you either. Now, again, Jamarcus Russell appears to be leading a good life, and so good for him. And, and, and again, I, I still would like to talk to him, but I, I'm disappointed by this piece because he throws everybody under the bus, and it just sounds like a guy with a lot of bitterness over not making it. And was it all his fault? No. Circumstance certainly plays into situations like that. There's no question. But Jamarcus Russell, in the second half of this piece in the Players' Tribune, loses me because he refuses to take any responsibility. He feigns it a little bit and talks about it. But at the end of the day, who gives a damn what you all think? Because I'm Jamarcus Russell and I do my thing. Okay, well, that's great. And you know what? He's got every right to do that. And that's why he's no longer in the game of football and why he had such a quick and non-illustrious career. So I just found that fascinating. I wanted to share it with you guys and the story of me trying to get Jamarcus Russell on the show, which clearly, even if I would have gotten a hold of him, he probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, and after listening to this, he probably won't want to come on <laughs> either. But I just wanted to, to, to talk about that because you guys, and, and there's obviously lots of chat going on here on the YouTube channel about Jamarcus Russell, as you can see. Uh, we do have the language filter on, so if, you, if you're dropping F-bombs and you don't see your comment on the chat, that's why. 
But I, I'd love to hear if you're listening on the radio, you know, hit me up at LV Gully on Twitter and tell me what you think. But but Jamarcus Russell is just such a polarizing uh, figure in 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 Raider Nation. I mean, it, him and Randy Moss, I think, are the two players that are like the third rail for Raiders fans. And there's been some Raiders players who've come through, haven't had long careers, you know, pretty quick stops, and people love them. But with these two guys, because of where he was picked, and of course Randy Moss for what he said in his <laughs> post-Raider career, many call him a quitter for quitting on the Raiders, so to speak. So, so I get it. But if you haven't read the story on Jim Marcus Russell, read it and tell me what you think. But I wanted to devote a segment to it tonight because it's a fascinating Raider story. Um, and and it, I, I, I'll pray for Jamarcus Russell. I really, I really will. I think he needs to find more peace. I'm glad he was able to unload some of this uh, now in this piece, which was great. But um, it, it's, it's, it, so just do that for me. Also, hit up the podcast feed. And one more plug for Rock Mysteries. Subscribe to that, too. So you can do it all at one time. Uh, by the way, my partner, Mo Moten, who's still on his summer hiatus, will be back soon. So stay tuned when we get around to camp. Mo will be back, uh, but he's he's conversing here and there on Twitter. He's taking some time off in between his writing, uh, but doing a great job of that as well. All right, well, guys, it is the end of another show. Man, I, I love talking to all of you. Thank you so much for being with me. I have the best listeners in all of Raider Nation. I really appreciate all that you guys do and all that you uh, have done to support this show and uh, the conversations we have online. For everybody here at Silver and Black tonight, I am Scalco Branson. This is the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. We will talk to you next Friday on Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. That is Silver and Black tonight. Have a great week, everybody, and be good to one another. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.